0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Austin Ye And
1: Mayu, what's going on, everyone? Austin, I feel like you're like
0: racing into the intro now, eh? (laughs) I'm racing into the intro. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know, man. Today's just been a very busy day. Um, I have uh, very little patience today. (laughs) It's just been nonstop, nonstop. And uh, I'm a naturally introverted person, believe it or not in the sense that I lose so much damn energy speaking. Like I I it's mm-hmm. exhausting for me, right? And that's why with the wholesaling side, it's not in my nature to be speaking all the time, but now we've we've hired someone for the rise team like and and a new v virtual assistant who would be helping us on the editing social media side so on and so forth. And also I we hired someone in Ontario property deals fast Ontario home buyer the wholesaling and I had orientation for both today, plus seller phone calls cuz Wayland's in Mexico. <laughs> and it's like, and, and yeah. like my other stuff, so I've just been like wanting to crawl up in bed and just you know like wait till yeah. the next day. What's your what's your personality index? Do you remember? What's my sorry? Your personality index. Do you, you do that tool? I did it, but honestly, like I just quickly threw it aside. The thing is, if I don't figure out a way to implement it ASAP or anything like that, or like it just doesn't resonate with me for any personal reason, I forget about yeah. it.
1: So I, I rank as a, a venture on that, which is very similar to exactly what you just talked about which is like social like like social cues just aren't my like strength right like i just hate like interacting with people i'm just like very like silo just like do my own thing but it doesn't mean that you can't interact with people like you and i can have a conversation like i can go to a networking event that's fine but you walk out of it and you're just like oh like i'm done like it just it just doesn't energize you it drains you right and so like i got yeah,
0: and to get yourself in the networking event is also hard like when yeah. you're in there like you just kind of it's not. I was gonna say you feed off the energy, not really, but you do what you got to do. Like it's engaging conversations. It's fun, yeah. Like yeah. don't get me wrong, it's fun. It just takes a lot of time, and I'm sure a lot of our audience can can relate. You know, I realize a lot of real estate investors outside of the ones that are just on social media all of the time, which is a small population of them. Yeah, a lot of us are introverted in nature. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 what I thought was interesting. It's just like our
1: like our listeners might listen to us, and they might just assume that like. Like, I honestly assume that you are definitely more social, right? Just like looking at your social like presence, like you're always on stories. You have no problem going on lives. Like it's like, yo, like Austin's like more social, right? Yeah. Um, to hear it. So to hear you say that it's draining as well. It's uh, it's pretty interesting as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, So yeah, do you, do we want to quickly talk about like what we've been up to on the right side, like our new hire and, and some of the plans? I, I don't know if we'll get deep into the plans in the pipeline, but why we ended up hiring a virtual assistant.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so so podcast is one arm of Rise, right? So if you guys are listening to podcast arm, um, the the VA's role on that is more so to streamline the process. So ideal, the ideal state for myself in Austin is we hop on, we record, we hop off, and that's it, right? That's like the golden like state that like we should be able to get to really with one VA higher, which is like super efficient on that side. Um, but also with Rise, I think like we just want to we want to grow the platform. It's I think Aaron Bay actually made this comment on your post today. And it was a, uh, it's a platform by investors for investors. Right. And I was just like, yeah, like that's exactly what it is. There's no like sales gimmick. There's no like upselling really here. Like, it's just really like a community of like-minded investors that are just like helping each other. Right. So, um, our role as kind of like the facilitators of it is really just to ensure that we can keep providing more and more value. Right. So Schwabe is doing the YouTube videos and the mapping out of different areas. My urine's going on live. Ishan Happy
0: birthday, man. Mayurin. Well, it's not to his birthday when he hears this, but we're filming it on his birthday. <laughs> um,
1: uh, Ishan and Shwabe are facilitating our in, our virtual networking sessions, right? And so the more that we can streamline for all these events, the more it frees up everyone that's involved's time to do more and more and more things, right? So exactly. that's, really, that's really the objective for uh, the way I see it on the VA side. Um,
0: and so we can also focus on telling people to make sure to like, subscribe and comment, yeah. do whatever to support this podcast.
1: All right. So this week we've got Corey McKinning hopping on the podcast. And and for those of you that don't know, myself and Austin were were coached by Corey previously. Austin started off with him and then I saw the success that Austin had and I basically hopped on as well. Um, Corey's a full time real estate investor now. He's got experience um, in a multitude of factors, right? Whether it's like finding off market deals, VTPs, development, you name it, Corey's kind of done it all. Um, He started off as a, uh, in the corporate world, like majority of us, but today he's helping a lot of people kind of, really like exit their nine to five right and exit their corporate jobs um i'm actually a senior coach on his on cory's platform as well so really the coaching program that he runs the entire model behind it is just to do bigger do it better and do it
0: faster right and we get a ton of questions from people about like is it the right time to hire a coach um like am i suitable for a coach like is a coach really necessary to succeed we get into all of those questions and answers in this podcast um from Corey himself, right, and giving his thoughts into it. Make sure you guys tune into this episode. It's going to be a fantastic episode to listen to. Hello, everyone. Today we are joined with our very special guest. And I always say very special guests, but... It's not last time I didn't mean it, but this time I really, really do mean it. <laughs> We're here with Corey McKinnon. Corey, how are you? Doing
1: excellent, guys. Yeah, for sure. Corey, so myself and Austin, I mean, I hope we know you pretty well at this point, given you spent almost a better part of a year for, with me and over a year now with Austin. But
2: why don't you give every all of our listeners a quick update on um, your, your backstory? Sure. So, yeah, depending on how far back you want me to go. But yeah. Um you know i'm a former national level athlete turned uh, you know worked in corporate and kind of put that same kind of work ethic into my corporate day job up until about 7 8 years ago when i retired started investing in real estate this is going to be year 16 in the summertime so i i try to stay youthful and look young i'm uh, i'm 45 but uh, been doing this since i was 30 so for all these people that are worried about not getting their first property and they're only 25 years old or 22 or 28 29 as long as you guys get a property before you're 30, you would have beaten me to the punch. And, you know, ever since I left corporate, I I had people reaching out to me saying, Hey, how did you do it? I want you to, you know, you were the only person that could ever hold me accountable. You're the only person that motivated me or inspired me to take more action and, and uh, move towards my goals. So now I do real estate and business coaching. Um, It's a, it's a big part of what I do. And it's, it's just been snowballing out of control. Um, in a good way, for sure, and um, you know, have a pretty big portfolio. We do multiple different strategies. I've done lots of the different things out there to do, whether it's flips or burrs or furnished rentals or regular rentals or money lending or development. Or right now, I'm working on a land development play too, conversions. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting, guys. I mean, when I always come back to the burr, though. I mean, that's kind of like my bread and butter. Yeah. So,
1: for anyone that doesn't know, there's a lot of different podcasts that Corey's done in the past. Um, definitely check that out. Like a, like YouTube videos, podcasts, your own Instagram page, all that stuff. Uh, so Corey, I'm just like, I think there's a lot of, a lot of resources out there about how you got started in real estate, but at what point um, did you move into the coaching realm of things? And like, how has your business changed over the years?
0: Should we jump into that? I'm thinking we can even take it a step back. Cause Corey, like you're a national level athlete. Um, you got into real estate. I'm sure you, you had a coach like you, before you did coaching, I'm assuming you had a coach. Can we talk about that experience. And then we can transition into how you got
2: into that coaching space. Okay. So just cut out my, my question and Austin, you just, sir. Yeah, guys. So I, I guess I was blessed to, to have some coaches in my life at a really early age. And I think everybody's had mentors and coaches in their age all the way back to grade school. But um, in between the years of grade eight and grade nine, um, I had a pretty manual labor job. It was corn to tasseling. So it's literally when you, they, they get you on a school bus, you know, at 7.00 AM you leave the high school parking lot. And you're basically doing this all day long. You're just pulling the tassels out of corn so they don't cross pollinate, I guess. And there was a kid on the bus, uh, Kevin DeShanis, great guy. And he was, you know, everybody messes around with weights. I'm sure you guys have messed around with weights in your friends, basement you know, basements at some point, uh, or maybe you haven't, you guys were just uh, always looking into video games or, or uh, real estate investing, but it was a thing when I was young. And it, you know, the, the talk got around like, well, what can you lift and what are you doing and all that stuff? My like, God. know we've messed around with like 95 pounds or 105 pounds or something and this one guy was like well there's actually a weightlifting club in town you should go check it out right and i was just super interested in it um always been interested in different different things different sports you know my my parents never put me into the typical canadian sports like hockey and soccer and it was like my dad cut me off a pair of golf clubs when i was in grade three and i got into golfing and you know did weightlifting um so basically long story short the coach of that, uh, that club was a two-time Olympian and had gone to Commonwealth games and Pan Am games and everything, you know, hugely, hugely well-respected in the community all across Canada and no better person to train under. Um, you know, it was fantastic. So, you know, I, I can still remember my first, my first training day, like I was literally, you know, trying to do reps with 66 pounds and do it the proper way. And from there I went to being one of the youngest, Youngest people in Canada lift 300 pounds over my head. I did that um, before I was 17. So I did that when I was 16 and um, got to represent Canada on a few different occasions. Junior national champion under 20 and then top three once I was over 20. Did it all clean um, and hung up the belt when I was about 26 or 27. I, you know At that point, I'd been lifting weights pretty hardcore. For half of my life, and I'm not like a big guy. Like I was even when I was competing, I used to compete at between 165 to 170. I'm still the same weight that I was back in college and high school. And I'm not a really big. Even my even my joints, right? Like my wrists are not. I'm not like a big, huge farm farm boy, right? Um, so to me, at that point, I mean, I I know I'd push my body as far as I could, hung up the belt, and got into some other sports and whatnot. Made a comeback, I guess, five or six years ago, just to show my kids what I'd done before and, uh, won one nationals from age group three times and one Pan and was training for worlds. And then all this interesting COVID stuff happened and so on and so forth. So yeah, that's, that's my thing. I mean, everybody had, um, I had aspirations of going to world championships or junior worlds or some of these different things never did, but I got to try out for a lot of the big, you know, I went to, um, Olympic tryouts, Olympic trials in um, 2000 and tried out for Commonwealth games and some other big events too. So very cool.
0: That's phenomenal. And how integral would you say the coaching aspect? I, I know that this is a real estate podcast, but a lot of these are transitional into real estate as well, right? Like coaching is pretty much in any industry you go to. It, it's, 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 it's not exactly the same, but it, it does play an important role in success. So how did you find coaching um, as a tool for you to be successful in weightlifting? Because I'm sure you had the grit yourself. You enjoyed it. You were go, you were hitting the gym. You probably didn't need motivation to go and push yourself. Like, where did where did that become? Um, I guess uh, where did that help you in your journey?
2: Definitely. I think it I think it taught me at a young age. I mean, you saw the people. I think the biggest thing that I look for, and I think it's a huge success indicator, is when somebody is just willing and they are coachable themselves. So, like, there was probably about twenty five or thirty of us in that club, and you quickly saw the people that actually took the coach's advice and like you didn't question the coach. Like, why would you question someone that has been to the Olympics twice? Like, I don't know, um, but there would still be, be people that would do it or not continue to follow through on some of the basic things that the coach was advising. And you know, either people took off in the right direction, or they plateaued, or they they um, did poorly. So I guess it taught me at a young age just the importance of being willing and coachable. And it's it's just something that's and obviously you got to have the grit and the hard work and determination as well. You can't just check out. I mean everything in, wor- in in life is worth working for. It's hard work. So, and, you know, I carried that on into my corporate career where, you know, you, you get these part-time jobs in high school and college and you're like, yeah, maybe I'll be a manager or something. Right. But they're not going to give you a chance to be a manager because they want somebody in there. that's going to be a lifer if you're working retail, or if you're working some of these, I don't want to call them menial, but um, some of these jobs where, you know, there is definitely a limit to what you can do and what you can achieve there. So I guess I found a job when I was 19 or a business opportunity. It was being a student works painting franchisee in Sarnia, Ontario. And like literally the write-up was like, you know, wanted managers. Have you always wanted to be a manager, but never given the chance, you know, hard workers apply and you need a driver's license and crazy work ethic. So I applied for that, did very well over a couple of years and moved up through the ranks there to be a general manager, area manager, vice president of Eastern Canada. I'm going
0: to stop you real quick. When you're moving up the ranks, did you have a mentorship along the way or was it just purely through grit?
2: Um, No, there's always somebody obviously above you. Even when I was at the VP of Canada role, like I reported directly to the owner of the company and, and, you know, Chris Thompson, great person, still a mentor in my life, still reach out to him for some advice um, and different topics that, you know, that uh, I might need help with or assistance on. Right. But you know, he's been a member of, uh, Wyatt, um, EO for decades and yeah, just a very, very smart guy, sharp guy. Yeah. So I, I think having mentorship in, in different parts of your life, you know, when I transitioned out of weightlifting, I, I went, okay, now what's my new challenge going to be? Well, I'm going to get into running and biking. So what did I do? I sought out one of the better coaches in Ontario, uh, Chris Helwig. And I'm like, Hey, I've never put to, put a plan or a program together. You know, can you help me get started? So you know, I'm not afraid of this sort of stuff. A lot of people are like, "Well, I'll go figure it out myself." And yes, you can, but it's going to cost you time, or <laughs> you know, you know, battle wounds, battle wounds on the on the battlefield. And and some people are You're just that. Saying it's money. It some cost you money. It costs you a lot of money
0: to make mistakes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> time. Very hard. true. But but Corey, I, I guess one of the questions that myself and Austin we get it quite a bit, right? Like just you know, having gone through coaching programs, and it's definitely a significant investment for a lot of people as a whole, right? So being a coach, I'm curious, like on your end, um, like who do you like, what type of people do you think benefit the most from coaching and and what type of people do you think just aren't
2: ready for that coaching step right now? Definitely great question. So I guess in real estate, like there's, there's people that can get you to your first couple of deals. Okay. Cause in the beginning, most people are moving slower anyways. Like I look at the speed of some of my first deals. I did my first, maybe three or four deals. And I really didn't know what I didn't know, but I I'm a quick learner and i threw myself into the pool and learned how to swim right and that's that was with the uh, guidance of a good realtor some other local investors and this was like you know i started investing keep in mind two, 2005 so it's not like we're talking about a totally different era but you know was access to all the information that there is now out there definitely not like there wasn't really anything on the internet so i was actually using like yellow pages white pages like literally working the phone you know, asking people questions, you can't help me great, you know, someone that can help me. It was like doing detective work, old school back then. So I guess, um, you know, to, to shorten the answer it's, it's for, it's for people that have gone as far as they can go with all their own resources. And now they need to tap into somebody who's been to a higher level. Okay. So, I mean, my portfolio is approaching a hundred doors been doing this for a long time. And I mean, I've coached hundreds and hundreds of people on peak performance, whether it's in business or real estate investing or sports, I think there's all fundamentals and, you know, they're all applicable to each other.
1: Yeah. And, and do you think like people that need subject matter expert coaches or, or do you think people need more so like business coaches and like kind of the life coaching side and what's the difference is there really, especially from a real estate perspective, because you've got like wholesaling, like I know we were talking rent to own at a point and like various, like within real estate, there's so many different niches that like, you know, what's the difference here between like a business coach and a, and a subject matter expert coach?
2: Yes. Well, you know, even real estate, when somebody's looking to dramatically grow their portfolio at that point, it is a business. Okay. So they are wanting to expand a business and the obviously the product is acquiring more properties in the portfolio. So I think when someone has a good understanding of business fundamentals, that's totally applicable to real estate and hey, it's also mindset too. So you know, I'd say probably 25 to 50 percent of the time I'm helping people work through some mindset concerns, uh, limiting, limiting mindset issues that they, they actually can do what they're looking to do. But, you know, we mess ourselves up a lot of the time. And um, what's the biggest problem? Usually it's it's getting in the way. It's actually that person that's on the other end of the phone. And that's all good. Right. So we work through that stuff as well. And I think it's also important to have like the specialized knowledge as well. If someone's looking, they're like, hey, Corey, I I think I had somebody one time reach out to me saying I want to develop land like off of um, like commercial land off of highway exits and that sort of thing. I just said, I don't do that. I can point you in the right direction of some people that can because that's uh, that's something I've never really touched. I mean, I know a bit about it, but I don't know enough to coach somebody at a high level on it. So I also know my lane that if, if there's certain really niche things out there that I'm not comfortable coaching on, I can I'm not afraid to say, hey, that's something that we don't do not do and I'm happy to refer you to someone that can yeah so like i'm smiling here because i think
1: pre-coaching with you like i or even like if i look back like a year year and a half like to me mindset was just like a whole bunch of fluff and i was like ah this thing's like it's bullshit like that was kind of like my mindset right um, and then i think like i started coaching with you and i started like hanging out with austin more and then i was just like oh like my mindset was just like all over the place started reading these books and like i i never thought i'd be a guy that like read the books that we read now so I think it's a significant shift in mindset that happens for a lot of investors um, as you kind of level up and you go, Oh, like anything is really attainable. Like it's kind of crazy out there.
0: And, yeah. I, and I want to follow up with that with the mindset. What do you like? How do you change someone's mindset? Because you feel like it's hard to break that belief. Like when I have a limiting belief or a preconceived notion, um, I'm I'm a hard-headed person. I'll be the first to say it. At least I'm aware of that. And someone tells me something otherwise, I'm like, no. You know, I try to find biases that um, that, that leads to what I believe in. How do you have someone break their limiting beliefs or get over the mindset? Cause it's not easy.
2: Well, first let's address the elephant in the room here, right? Like, like the word mindset is such a broad topic, you know, it's, you know, people are, Oh, you just need better mindset. You know, what really is that? And there's so many different subcategories of it, I guess to boil it down in the simplest terms, what I try to do is I, I try to make sure that people are open to suggestion Um, open to improving themselves in different parts of their lives. And when you can present somebody with like irrefutable proof of, you know, if, if this is true, or if you did these different things, this is likely going to be the result. And lots of times people are bumping up against similar problems, right? They're they've never really delegated before. Austin. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that was something I still
0: struggle with that sometimes.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. And it's you know, in the beginning, just to get somebody to delegate something, that's a big win. Yeah. And then it might be, okay, now I'm actually like giving up more of of the, of my role. And to the point where I'm just going to be in the air traffic control center, just watching and making sure all the airplanes are coming in and out of the business. Okay. Every single day, that's the, that's kind of like the the top of the triangle per se, but um, you know, people definitely develop in stages and some people want to go faster than others. And, you know, some people I can, I can usually tell pretty quickly if somebody is just going to be just not the right kind of person for a high level coaching program. Um, you know, they'll probably, they'll probably have all kinds of issues with the investment. And, you know, I want to make sure whenever I work with someone that I'm, I'm getting their money back or even a multiple on, on their investment, you know, I've invested a lot of money into my coaching over the year, over the years and decades. Like I typically have a budget of, um, well over five figures every year that I invest in myself. I just literally signed up with uh, someone that has been to where I want to be when it comes to developing courses and program and marketing and whatnot. And it was a significant chunk, but I'm I, you know, we had a, we had two or three calls and I'm like, Hey, let's, let's keep this going for six months. Cause I know I'm already getting great value from the coaching. Let's keep that going. Mm-hmm. So, so Corey, I'm curious,
1: now, like what type of like individuals do you, and I know you can't really put like a blanket saying, but if you're a kind of high level here, what kind of individuals do you see coming into a coaching program, and then what does like success look for like look, look like for a lot of your students? Like, what are they? I guess some case studies or examples that you could share with us of like different like issues that people have had and like how their like overall journey has changed.
0: And I guess on the flip side of that, students that didn't perform well, and we obviously won't name names. Um, it could be even when you were weightlifting and coaching, then like just on both both spectrums.
2: Great question. So let's address yours there first, Austin. Um, People that typically don't do well in a high performance coaching, you know, situation are people that maybe they're trying to get too many inputs, right? They're like, okay, well, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go crazy here. I'm going to actually get five coaches all for the same thing. And then they're getting so many inputs and conflicting information that lots of times a confused mind does what? Does nothing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the people that think that they could solve their problems just by writing a check, you know, it's like, OK, so if I write the check, that's it. Right. It's like, well, no, um, let's yes, we got to get the money part of it out of the way. But there's also this thing called you know, hard work and effort. And we're always constantly adapting and you know, doing new iterations to the plan. So people that can keep evolving and adapting is important as well. Um, you know, I'm a big believer of like the your vibe attracts your tribe. So, I mean, i put I put out certain content. I have certain things that I, I i'm I feel very comfortable coaching on and giving advice on for people that follow me on instagram or or Facebook or whatever it might be. And you know, I track that kind of a person back, typically, right? So, I'm like the healthy, wealthy dad that's done a lot of multifamily investing and lots of other strategies here too, and I help people get through limiting mindset beliefs and go further faster. So if people are into that, you know, I've never really had to market or advertise for what I do, other than you know paying for some good photography and and uh, sorry video work to be done every month. But you know, so I guess those are the kinds of people that are coming into my program. Like they're 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 pretty realistic. They're they're coachable and willing. Like I I wouldn't bring them on if they weren't. We have a we have actually have like an application process and a vetting process for before we working with people because we want to make sure that they do well, right? And we want to make sure that people aren't getting through the goalposts or squeaking in when they really all they all they thought they had to do was write a check right so you got to put in the work for sure
1: yeah i guess like what, what are some common hurdles that people are dealing with when they're coming into the program like you know the most common combinations I'll, I'll share mine like i think i came in with like barely any time i was kind of like had a good size portfolio wanted to make a leap wanted to start doing bigger plays but like didn't really have the time and i know we sat down and talked about um those two issues primarily where it was like you need to like free up some time so you can focus on like more revenue generating like things which eventually led me to go flipping routes. I'm just
2: curious if there's any other issues that you see people having that they then come to you to kind of like work with, right? Sure. So, I mean, there could be some foundational knowledge, like they just, they just don't know what they don't know. So we gotta get their foundational knowledge up. Um, definitely, you know, time mastery, you know, cause you can't really manage time, right? You can try to manage time, but you know, it's, it's important that you're in charge of your schedule, not your schedule in charge of you. Um, too many people actually put too many things into their calendar. I find a lot of people they think it's great to just go i'm going to fill up 100 percent of all the 15 minute blocks in my calendar every single day and i'm actually a little bit the opposite like only fill up your calendar 75 percent so then you actually have the time to take on these things that might just get dropped on your on your desk and they might be a bit of a a landmine that you have to go deal with right and that stuff happens all the time to top performers um so there's definitely time there will be some branding pieces like how do you how do you position yourself as the expert and the authority a lot of people aren't sharing the journey properly A lot of people don't understand social media. A lot of people don't know um, how to market or how to go find sharp deals. Even if they did, then how do they negotiate it? And then once they've, you know, shot off all the all the powder in their cannons, you know, how do I go and raise more money? Or how do I link arms with other people to be um, bringing in joint venture partners? And then how do I just continue to build this and scale so it's a repeatable model? Those are typically the 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 hurdles that people are bumping up against: money, Um, branding, time deal flow marketing.
0: Awesome. Thanks for sharing that Corey. And um, I, I guess for coaching, for people who are looking to explore coaching, what is coaching? What is not coaching? Cause I, I want to give one misconception, for example, to, to I guess to further specify my question, there's a saying, give a man a fish. I have the saying right here. You feed him for a day, teach him how to fish and you feed him for his lifetime. Some people who get into coaching, what the answers, right? They, they expect the coach to do everything for them. So what are some misconceptions about coaching? If someone's looking to get into hiring one?
2: Sure. And maybe I can, I can compare and contrast that with mentoring or mentorship, right? So to me, typically mentoring under somebody would be a free type of a thing. You're you're giving up your time to really literally like learn and be in close proximity. Maybe even just like literally shadowing somebody that has had your success or the success that you want to have like full immersion, right? So call it like a a full working week, uh, multiple weeks in a row or definitely part-time. So that would be, that would be mentorship where someone is actually, you're, you're sharing your time and you're also be given some activities in their business where you can learn and you're learning like literally from, uh, from being right inside their business. Coaching is helping people fill in the gaps that they may not be aware of. Right? So there's, there's these blind spots, right? Everybody's got a blind spot. Like I can't really see my hand right now, except for on the video. Right? So, Um, you know, it's helping to uncover people's blind spots, helping to exploit their strengths and their talents. And I think building the right team around them so that they can actually go to the next level and helping them what they don't, you know, understand what they, um, don't, don't know per se. Do I give people all the answers? No, that's actually not the point of it. It's actually to shine a light down the dark hallway so that they can actually see and uncover the answers themselves. And if they're, I mean, obviously they're really stuck. (laughs) You got to throw people a bone, but. Um, at the end of the day, the the student is the one that does the heavy lifting. We have the systems and the training and the know-how here. Um, and again, it comes down to that willingness, coachability and, and work ethic to be able to follow through. Yeah. I think I get that question a lot
1: as well. It's like, Oh, like, does, does Corey give you deals? And I'm like, no, well, like if you just gave me a deal, then that would just be a one-off. And like, I don't know if that'd be worth it but like people just conceptually don't understand that and then it's ironic because like i think the other day corey did send me something (laughs) but i'm just curious how corey also like from your perspective because i think you know people love to understand a little bit about what you're trying to do um, whether it's your overall like business your goals um and and just why you do what you do right
2: like it's also a question of like why do you like bother to coach people i get that question as well so i'm also curious from your side yeah i think this is very important right before anybody chooses a coach they should definitely make sure that they line up with that coach's values. Right. And some people really don't care about values. And then at that point they might choose a coach and it doesn't make sense. And then they wonder why it didn't work out Well, they weren't clear on their own values. They weren't clear on the values of the coach. And, you know, cause there are, you know, some coaches out there in the world, you know, this is a very general statement, but you know, maybe they are just in it for the money and they just say, okay, well, anybody can be a life coach. Maybe I'll be a business and real estate coach and they don't have the goods to back it up. They're not current. They're not doing deals whatever it might be, or the stuff that they did was 10 years ago. You know, um, if anything, I want to make sure that I'm always current. And I'm, you know, I just uh, tied up a deal on Friday. So, you know, like a couple of days ago. So I'm uh, I'm still doing, I'm still very active in what I do. All right. So that that's important. And they also have to have the right personality type. Like I I love giving back to people. It's a very selfless industry. It's one of those things where you definitely have to give and give and give and and then you finally start to see the light bulbs go on with somebody maybe two or three months down the road. And then you can continue to ride that momentum and continue the success wave from there. Right? So if you have someone that doesn't really want to be a coach, but they feel like they had to be a coach to try to make some money, that's gotta be one of the worst scenarios out there. I've been doing this, you know, look for a track record. You know, I've got a lot of reference points going all the way back from like literally the first time I got approached to coach anybody was back in like grade four, like somebody needed a tutor and I'd never even had a part-time job. I don't even know if I had a paper then yet. I think I got my paper in grade five. But um, that was kind of like my um, my you know what is it taking the blue pill or the, the red pill or whatever into into that world. I was a I, I continued to mentor people all through grade school, high school. I was on the peer tutoring club, and then also in college. And then you know my first uh, you know, when we talked about student works painting, I, I trained franchisees after the in, in year three. I was promoted to a recruiter trainer, and so I've literally been doing this for like almost thirty years actually 30, probably even more 32 years or something like that. It's it's been decades. And I think if I didn't like it, I would have quit by now. Um, It just gives me a lot of gratitude and gratefulness that like, if I go pick up another deal, it changes my life a little bit. But if I teach like Austin was saying, somebody had to fish and continue to fish for the rest of their life. I mean, all of a sudden that person is on a totally different trajectory and that's huge, right? We're changing lives here. And we really are because real estate is such a powerful investment asset class. I wouldn't be where I am with real estate, so and I wouldn't be able to do what I wanted to do. I'd probably still be grinding it out if I didn't, I wasn't able to, to get such a you know great returns, you know, twenty five percent year over year cash on cash or more, with real estate.
0: Perfectly said. That's amazing. Thirty plus years in coaching, and you know what's funny? How uh, someone approached Corey when he was in grade four. The coaching life chose Corey. Corey didn't choose the coaching <laughs> life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just said no, That's but I was up for the challenge. And, um, you know, you also had to get better at your craft too when you got when you to teach it as well. So uh,
1: so let's, let's talk about something here, Corey. And it's not directly related to coaching, but I'm curious, like the real estate market as a whole, is, is, uh, as a whole is, is crazy hot, right? Everywhere in Canada. It's like, what are you advising your students? And overall, like, how does that change anything from like a real estate investment side for like people that are looking to get into it? A lot of our our listeners are like newer investors that have like maybe two or three properties and they're just getting started. I'm sure they're all struggling with kind of the same
2: thing, right? So like, what are you advising people in general right now? Yes, well, there's certain fundamental truths that people should always be following when it comes to real estate investing. And I'm never a big fan of overpaying for anything or buying into the potential, future potential of a property. You know, there might be the odd scenario where it's such a good multifamily deal in such a good part of town. And it's, there's so much, potential that you pay into that a little bit, because you know, like maybe the listing agent or the seller, they just don't know the full potential and you know, you do. So you have some sort of strategic advantage there. But I think a lot of the the fundamentals remain the same. Like buying on sale is always a good thing. Making sure that, you know, the numbers of what your return is actually going to be in year one. And I mean, one metric that we always look for and mentioned it before is like making sure that when you look at all the different income streams, whether it's cash flow, mortgage pay down or appreciation, we always use modest appreciation, two or 3%, you know, not 17% across Canada, like last year, Um, just making sure that you're making a very strong return because otherwise you could just go lend your money out as a hard money lender and make 10, 12, 14% on it. And probably not have to worry about tenants or toilets or anything. All you gotta do is sign paperwork every three to six or 12 months, right? So you gotta make sure you're buying on sale. You gotta make sure the numbers make sense. And I mean, there's obviously other things that you wanna make sure check out as well. Like any kind of problem or challenge with the property is overcomable pretty easily. And you don't have to do major, major renovations to repair them.
0: Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about, um, I guess, coaching from the aspect of real estate investors. But Corey, we know you're a family man. Um, you are, you're, you have four kids, right? So your hands are pretty tied. Um, are you teaching them anything about money, wealth, health? Like how, what, what kind of lessons are you implementing in everyday life?
2: Very cool. Yeah. I, I like to try to make sure people know that I'm like uh, the healthy, wealthy dad. And you know, you you're doing something right. When we had a big mirror in the garage, like a, it was like a staging mirror, like one of those six foot tall, uh, mirrors, uh, like wardrobe mirror, and my son was like, "That's a cool mirror, Dad. Are you renting that to someone?" <laughs> like, you know, when that day when my th- like my kids thought I rent everything um, to make profit, you know. So we're teaching them, you know. When one day my kid comes home, and when you can explain these things to a three or four or five or six year old, that's when you really got to have your definitions super simple so that they can understand and grasp what you're talking about. But you know, what do you say when it when a young kid says, "Dad." what does it mean to be rich? You know, what is, what is money for, or, you know, why do you work or why do you have a job or um, what's, what's the purpose of, you know, what do you do on any given day? And when you can, I think obviously them being in my proximity is important. I take them with me to job sites and get them to do a little token, you know, splash a paint or tighten a screw or, you know, actually, you know, fix something and they got their little drill and stuff like that. I want to expose them to all different things. I know my one son, um, he's, uh, his name's Massimo and we call him Messimo. Um, he's just literally going to be one of those guys where he can build stuff. Like I see what he puts together with Lego and connects and whatever he's got in his room and what he can do with wood and scraps and all that stuff. Like he loves this stuff, man. He's going to be my builder, renovator. And then my other son, he's a lot more academic. Um, very sharp with reading and math and stuff already. So he's, maybe he's going to be more in charge of the numbers and the beans. Right. So um, my, my three-year-old is still a little bit early. Maybe he'll just be, he's our love bug. So maybe he'll just be like the supporter manager that ties everybody together. And then we got an 18 year old, 18 month old, sorry. Um, he's too young to know right now, but it's interesting. Their personalities have built up so early. So I guess we're just trying to teach them, you know, what is the potential out there? You don't just have to go work a job, right? We want them to make sure that they understand their passions in life, what they're good at, and then how to build a business around that. So we actually, we have a point system at home. For doing good deeds you know when the kids um you can we have a saying right either volunteer to do something or you get you're gonna get voluntold to do it and we've got it laid out okay you get one point for this two points for that i give five points for a business idea and uh, 10 points for their first sale so you know to me that's huge i want them going whoa if i just figure out those two things i win the game whereas i got to do chores for the next two three weeks to get the 15 points i could if i just started a business and made my first sale you know, we really want to incentivize them that, you know, we need more entrepreneurs out there in the world and people that aren't afraid to have a side hustle and all those different things. Cause it's a, it's a game changer. Wow. That's actually a really unique parenting skill right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, bit, um, yeah. you know, if people want to look into it. There is, um, kidpreneurs, I believe is something they can look into. We bought the course for our kids. We're going to, we're on our third lockdown here. So we're going to have lots of time. So we're going to open it up and start working with it, with the kids. And I think it's fantastic, right? Like one of, one of our other parents in our, in our network, like the kid wanted to have a little business and they like baking. They said, okay, well, why don't you make like, you can actually bake doggy treats, right? So the parents bought all the materials. They actually charged the kid a little bit of rent and charge them a little bit of hydro because they're using the oven a lot. (laughs) And they went out and made like, I don't know, like a hundred bucks one month profit. It was pretty crazy. So that makes a big difference in young kids life when they know, okay, I, you know, not that I need to work hard for money, but when I can actually make a business from nothing from an idea or a concept, and, you know, you can even do what, what Bill Gates or not Bill Gates, um, Warren Buffett did. Right. I mean, he had a paper route. (laughs) I had a paper when I was young too, I tripled the size of the route, but it was all me doing it. You know, if you, if you research Warren Buffett, he actually like hired his friends, you know, as employees to go deliver the papers, he just sat back and made the money. So that's, that's true genius at a young age. And then use that money to buy pinball machines and buy his first piece of property, which I believe was a farm. And the story goes on from there. I had a paper route as
1: well. When I was in grade I think eight and I just hired my sister. who was like a year old. Doesn't mean to do it. And I gave her half the money and I just, I just did nothing. It was such a scam, but it was, it was a great little hustle at the time. <laughs>
2: Well, awesome, Corey. So, man, you, you used to have to actually knock on doors and actually collect the money. It wasn't all pre or pre or pre-authorized, you know, debit withdrawals. And you knew who, who, the, who the scumbags were in the neighborhood that just weren't paying their newspaper, <laughs> um, dodging your, oh, you know, knocking on the door and the, you can hear the door open. And that's like, tell them I'm not here. You know, I'm probably sitting in a chair drinking beer, watching TV. Like, you know, and you, you realize that you also get paid for results, right? I mean, you do a great service, you get tips you know, that was, that was huge. Um, I'm gonna post a picture. There's actually a picture of me when I'm like, I don't know, 13 years old with all this cash and money on the table. That was the Christmas tips, right. From doing you know, good deeds all year long and delivering everything on time. So Corey, before we jump into our, the last like general three questions, the rapid round
1: questions that we like to ask our guests, um, for our listeners and just kind of keeping in mind that they're generally like newer investors, um, zero to three properties, maybe like what, what kind of like, what words
2: of advice do you have for people that are just getting started now. All right. Zero to three properties. That's interesting. Um, you know, surround yourself with good people. I think it's important. I, you know, in the beginning, a lot of people will make concessions with who they bring onto their power team. And even if you've only done a couple deals, one of my sayings is always make sure that you're surrounding yourself with a players because like time is so precious. And as you guys get older and you have some losses in your life and you just see how precious time is, nobody's got time to waste. And that was one thing that I, I guess maybe it's just my personality. I'm, I'm pretty a type and uh, I just don't like to waste time. So for me, that just makes a lot of sense. Whereas for some people they are like, well, my, my cousin, my cousin's a realtor or so-and-so's, you know, says they're a mortgage broker. Um, but they're not really tested or true. So you want to make sure that, you know, whoever you got is like a, I don't know if you're in a war, I mean, who do you want on your team? You want a sniper, man. You want some people that will really go to bat for you get exceptions for you, work extremely hard for you. So probably the best piece of advice is just make sure you're surrounding yourself with the right people and, um, you know, get yourself in the right rooms too. Right. It's like, it's, people are so accessible. You know, you guys have a great Facebook group that there's so much information being shared around in there. You know, if you're in the right rooms as well, you have a question, don't be afraid to ask for help. That's another thing that I tell people, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't struggle and struggle so long that, you know, you're actually losing opportunity costs because you're just floundering in in the sea without a rudder or without a paddle. Right. I mean, in the flip side of that, don't also be like the, um, uh, crying, what is it? Crying wolf or whatever. Like whenever you have a challenge and you can't figure it out in 10 seconds, you just throw up your arms and say, you know, who can help me. That's not the purpose of the exercise either.
1: Awesome. So now for the rapid round questions, Corey, uh, you know, the first question that we always like to ask our guests is where do you, where do you see yourself five years from now? Business,
2: personal, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Five years from now, it's, it's interesting, right? So a lot of businesses don't even plan five years out because it's like the world changes so much in five years. But, you know, I do see what I'm doing right now, you know, on a much, much bigger scale. I see us being one of the biggest coaching programs in Canada and the, obviously the portfolio bigger. And to the point where I can actually take more time, you know, five years, all my kids will be in school. So that'd be a pretty cool thing. And um, hopefully school will, will actually be back in school. <laughs> Maybe we'll unschool them. We never know. But, um, you know, doing more of the same, the portfolio will have grown, the, the, the businesses will all have grown. And um, yeah, just, you know, furthering my reach much more in the world.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Um, second question is, if you want $10 million and you had seven days to spend it, And let's just say you can't spend it all on real estate because that's kind of boring. Spend some of it if you want on real estate. What would you do with it?
2: All right. So, win ten million seven days to spend it. You know, first of all, I think everybody should enjoy a little bit of the fruits of their labor. I've never won. uh, Never really bought into lottery tickets. Sometimes I'll I'll go get the dream house lottery because I'm like, well, it's a hundred dollar ticket. It's a little bit harder to win these things when the price points higher. But um, you know, who's kidding who? Right? We all can write our own lottery tickets in this world. But if there was something that happened, $10 million, had to spend it in a week, I um, would probably enjoy a little bit of it, maybe 5 to 10% of it, throw a big party for uh, friends and family, get people together, because I think community is so important. Um, otherwise, I would probably do another 10 to 15% as far as um, who can I help. You know, there's definitely people out there that that they can't afford certain things And for me, one of my big goals is to always um, be able to contribute to some sort of a sporting charity, Um, you know, underprivileged kids that, you know, I just, I got so much out of sports, um, got to travel the world, got to work through problems, got to really see more of the uh, more of life and understand how life really works. You know, I think that's super important. And, you know, probably invest in some businesses or uh, definitely some real estate as well. No fancy cars, eh, Corey? (laughs) <laughs> Maybe. might buy, might buy something. They're just such bad investment. I mean, I don't know. I'm torn, right. I used to have sports cars when I was younger and they're, you know, I, I literally saw a lot, a lot of my net worth when I was in my early twenties, just go to depreciation. Um, yeah. But yeah, I might buy a sweet car. I buy a couple sweet watches, but awesome. you know, right now we're, we're in our house of our dreams. You know, we've, we built it. We don't need anything bigger. That's awesome. So if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would you choose and why? Hmm. Good question. I guess maybe for somebody that's alive, just because I'm really into business and I've seen all the different businesses this person has has grown and developed. Probably uh, somebody like Richard Branson. You know, he's a huge inspiration. Why? <laughs> um. Well, just like just as brands, right? And like how many businesses he's started up, and you know, the guy owns his own mm-hmm. island. Um. You know. All move. <laughs> pretty, pretty crazy. Yes. So, and I think there's, there's just a lot that can be learned even if you only get an hour or two with a person, you know, you're going to go and pick their brain and it's an experience you'll never forget for sure.
0: Is that the guy, is that Virgin Mobile, dude? Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. No, Virgin Virgin never, I mean, yeah. look, look up how many brands he's done. Virgin Air, Airplanes, Virgin Mobile. Yes. Virgin Records. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. a he's baller move, few, dude, owning an island.
2: <laughs> he's one of the few entrepreneurs
1: that I think have like so many different entrepreneurial ventures versus like, if you look at like Elon Musk, he's got Tesla and SpaceX. He's got some other like side projects under those companies. Bill Gates has got Microsoft, Warren Buffett's got like Berkshire Hathaway, whatever. But like Richard Branson's actually got like so many different entrepreneurial ventures going on at the same time. So like, I find that like pretty cool as well.
2: And he has a, a
0: well diverse portfolio. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's true. <laughs> I just like what he's all about. He's, he's definitely puts himself out there. He's not afraid to fail. He's uh you know, he's not afraid to change an industry.
0: Mm-hmm. Stands for a lot of the same things of what it means to be a successful businessman. So that's awesome, Corey. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, in the Rise Podcast episode. Uh, You've been truly phenomenal in everything you've done in the real estate community. Always giving back, always opening to uh, always open to connecting with newer investors. I know, quick personal story. Um, I think when I had like three or four properties, Corey would always just kind of touch base with me on Instagram, saying, "Hey, Austin, how is everything going? Um, How's your portfolio doing? Like, how's things going in life?" Right. So it's things like that, like, like truly everything you said in this podcast is what you actually practice in real life. So really appreciate all of that. And I don't think we said it in this podcast, so Mayu and I are actually, um, as coaches, mentees, coaches, mentees, we're in Corey's <laughs> coach program. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever mentees. Um, and, and truly honestly, like after going through that entire experience, we've saw not only our portfolio, but kind of like our mindset, mindset like tenfold, right? So really appreciate that, Corey. If people want to reach out to you, connect with you, how can they do so?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty easy to find. You know, you guys can look me up. Uh, I've got my own domain, CoreyMcKinnon.com. You can Google me. You can look me up on Instagram, Facebook. I'm pretty active on Instagram. I'm trying to keep up with you young guys. I've been on that platform for about three, three and a half years. And no, thanks to you guys too. I mean, you guys are great students. You guys are the poster childs for, you know, someone that is willing and coachable and actually will execute on what they do. And, you know, in the beginning, like you guys weren't askaholics, so you, you know, when people legit have something that they need help with, I want to help them. Right. But when somebody reaches out and says, well, oh, Corey, you, you live in Sarnia. Can we just have all your real estate contacts? And I'm just like, hi, how about we started with, with like what your name is and, Hi, yeah. you, yeah. <laughs> you know, so don't, don't be a, what is it? Mark Smith says, uh, don't be an asshole. <laughs> um, try That's to build value first. Cool. But, uh, you know, go old school. Tell people your name and uh, what you do for a living, and um, you know why you reached out. <laughs> awesome,
0: awesome, yeah. And everything will be down at the show notes. Um, all of Corey's links and information. If you want to reach out, um, I, I don't mention this enough, but like, subscribe, do whatever you can to support this podcast because it helps bring amazing guests like Corey on. Um, and until next time, everyone, invest smarter and live better. Take care.